Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Eddie Tate. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. feels too rich but what I don't want to do is I don't want to do our normal church and transition we're not transitioning we're staying here I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the points that I feel led that I'm supposed to hit tonight but they're not leaving this stage and I don't want you to leave this place don't go to your seats don't shift your hearts don't disengage because this is also a part of worship The Word of God is actually the clearest truth that we can experience. This poor team, they hear I'm scheduled. I think half of them want retirement plans. Thank you, Jesus. Just turn your affections to Him right now. Just with your lips, begin to thank Him. He's so beautiful. He's so perfect. God, you're so faithful. Thank you, God. Thank you for being a loving father. Thank you for being so beautiful. Thank you, God, for being so perfect. Thank you for loving me unconditionally. Thank you for your holiness. my heart in this statement hear my heart please because I don't want this to come off in any way other than what my heart is speaking this is life changing and amazing but this cannot be the highlight of my week this needs to be the normality of my day I don't want to set my expectation for my truest, most empowering encounters with God to be reserved for a church service. I want the overflow of my encounters to show up here with me. I don't want to lower what's happening here. Please hear me. Let's not lower what God is doing in this moment. I never want to take away from what he's doing. But I want my every day to rise up past this. I want my life to be so steadfast and hungering after him that this feels normal to me. I want the awe and wonder of him to be so regular in my day that these moments make me go, there he is again. There he is again. I don't want to be surprised by his glory showing up. I want to see a met expectancy. I want to show up going, God, I know what you're going to do tonight. And it far exceeds my wildest dream and imagination. But I know I've touched you every day this week, so I know what's coming. message I had planned, and I'm going to touch on parts of it, was no compromise. Living a life without fear, but living with authenticity. We have to come to a place where compromise is broken off. I've had a lot of conversations with people in the last few months, and all of us have experienced the craziest time of our lives the last year and a half. But what it's done is it is, it is challenged the body of Christ to do something. 
some of us are responding and we've become abrasive and we're using the word of God to prove our points and condemn our brothers and sisters. Some of us have actually leaned in and God, God, in these times, you are glorified. In these times, you are seen brighter than a shining star. It's in these times, God, that I can find the reality of your presence because the place is getting dark. But then there's another group that has actually allowed fear and compromise to set in. And it wasn't done out of a place of pushing God away. It was done out of a place of trying to make people not feel offended. Jesus loved the sinners. He never loved the sin. He never accepted the sin. He loved the sinners. I love the world. I don't love worldliness. But I love the world. I love the person. Not necessarily their actions. Not necessarily their thoughts. Not necessarily their decisions. But I love the people. Why? Because that's what he's called me to do. Because you know what? He did it for me first. sometimes to stay in a place like this when somebody's talking to you so please figure out how to do it <laughs> here's my advice figure it out how many of you know the story of Peter walking on the water You know what? I'm going to quit asking that. Every one of you should know that story because you should all be in the Word of God. Understand the context of this passage. Jesus just finished feeding the 5,000. There were 12 baskets left over. 12 disciples, 12 baskets. There was enough for each one of them to walk away seeing the manifested glory of God that could not have been done in the natural. That just happened. Matthew 14, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when the... Everything got really blurry for a second. Hallelujah. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Wow. I feel like there is loneliness hovering in people's homes. I feel like there's people that feel alone more than they ever have. Wow. What you need to understand is even in a lonely place, even when you're alone, He's there. You're enthroned in His presence. Just when I read that, I just heard that, so. He was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them by saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. 
Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began sinking and cried out and said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were there in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Reading that recently and in the midst of everything going on, I, I, I just I had a different perspective. Have you ever read the Word of God and gotten a different perspective? That He spoke something clear to you? It's because it's a living Word. You can read the same verse for the rest of your life and it'll continuously speak to you because it's living. But let me ask a question. Has the fear of Jesus saying, oh, you of little faith, caused a response in us that we actually sit in the boat and watch with no faith. I feel like sometimes we get so afraid to risk and be seen as lacking that we decide to do nothing. See, it, it never even addresses them. It says that they watched and when he got in, they worshiped him. God, don't ever let me be a disciple that sits in the boat. Make me a Peter, God. When the wind is shaking my world, let me cry out, God, it is you. Call me out there and I will come. And when you call, I will answer. I will step out and I will respond. And if I fall, I know you're there to save me, but I refuse to sit and watch someone else walk in faith. is the most socially accepted sin in the church. It's one of the most destructive things in our lives. We have to understand that courage isn't a lack of fear, but rather the boldness to look fear in the face when it tries to intimidate us and tell us to go away. Courage is found in the face of fear, not in the absence of it. crazy thing that it's usually not what happens to us that creates fear. It's the idea or story we play about what could happen that actually creates the fear inside of us. See, fear prevents you from stepping out of the boat. God's calling you to step out of the boat tonight. Imagine everyone in this room can picture a time when Jesus has been standing on the waves calling you out. Don't allow the enemy to tell you you failed by not getting out. See, we have a decision to make tonight. 
Do we allow the hunger, the desire, the truth of who he is and what he's calling us to? Do we allow that to give us enough hunger and fuel to move forward unshakable from this moment on? Or do we allow the enemy's voice to remind us of our past, to remind us of our, oh, you of little faiths? Does the enemy have a voice to actually remind you of something that's going to prevent your future hunger? these scenarios, we have these ideas of what it's going to look like if we fail. When I was early on in my Christianity, I was afraid to pray for people to be healed. Because I was afraid they wouldn't get healed. Has anyone else ever dealt with that? I doubt it. You guys are way more faithful than I am. And then a good friend of mine told me, your reputation isn't big enough to ruin his. Here's the thing. If I pray for nobody, nobody gets healed. go to a deeper reality. I'm not even called to pray for the sick. I'm called to heal the sick. When am I going to be so radically bold with the call of God on my life that I'm willing to risk everything to see it happen? In preparation for this weekend, I just started looking up videos, reading testimonies of some of the craziest, most radical things I could find. Got me a little fired up. See, I could have watched the news. I could have watched my favorite show. I watched a few of them. I'm not going to lie. But I purposed in my heart that I was going to watch something that stirred me in faith. And then I got in my word and I found where he gives me these promises. I started searching scriptures. Where did you call me to do something? What did you tell me I'm supposed to do with my life, God? Because that's what today is going to look like. I have to put my attention on what's going on up there to figure out what I'm supposed to do down here. Let's close your eyes for a minute. Turn your attention to heaven. And allow yourself to say, God, what am I supposed to do right now with my life? Not just tonight. What's my life supposed to do? Some of you are going to hate what you hear. And that's okay. Because he sees more in you than you see in yourself. So he's going to call you into a place of discomfort. Why? Because he's not often found in your comfort zone. So just ask him right now. What am I supposed to do with my life?
there are so many things in Scripture that we don't talk about. We want to lean into all of the good things that make us feel great. And there's nothing wrong with understanding the full goodness, the full measure, all of the promises revealed. wrestling because I don't want to say certain things, but I know I'm supposed to. We are in a war. We have an enemy. To act like he doesn't exist is just stupid. I don't give him authority he doesn't own. I don't give him a place in my life that he shouldn't have but I'm also fully aware that he's there. But he is my enemy, not the person that's doing something wrong. And I said this earlier, but there is a large group of the body that has actually turned to using the word of God as a weapon against their brother and sister, rather than waging against the things that are not flesh and blood. I'm going to read this verse, this passage of scripture out of two versions because I really like the second version. The first one says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Come on, that's just a good word. If you do not read any other scripture for the rest of your life, read that daily and then apply it and watch what happens. But I love the Passion Translation. There are certain parts of the Passion Translation I read and I'm like, that's awesome. But there's others that I'm like, oh, you just changed my life because it makes me want to go kick something in the face. For although we live in the natural realm, we, do, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance to the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bows in obedience to the Anointed One. And since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose to complete obedience. Uh, that might just be the warrior in me, but it makes me want to kick something in the face. I like it. See, we sometimes get so one-sided in our thought, it's like, we don't war against flesh and blood, so we're like, oh, I'm not going to fight my enemy. I'm not going to do anything towards them. I'm going to fight the enemy that's manipulating them. But then when we come over here where I'm going to stand in my convictions and demonstrate the fullness of God in my life and challenge them to do the same, oh wait, I don't want to offend them. You're probably offending the spirit in them, but you're afraid to offend them. You're afraid that they will be pushed away from God. You're afraid that you may become alone and lose relationship. The reality is, is there's no safer place than the true, irrefutable presence of God. You stand strong to your convictions and do not compromise. You set a standard which they can now live towards. But when you compromise some things to make them feel comfortable in their approach to who God is, you've given them permission to live a compromised life with their father.
the church and we as Christians often confuse love and tolerance. And they're completely different. Love seeks the good in other people. Tolerance seeks to be thought of as good by other people. Love comes from fearing God. Tolerance comes by fearing man. And fear is actually control and is often out of wanting to please people and create a safe place. There's nothing more safer than the presence of God. Unify us in your spirit. Would you purify us in your fire? Oh, unify us in the Spirit. Would you purify us in your fire? Come and unify us in your Spirit. And purify us in your fire. Come and unify us in your Spirit. And purify us, purify us. Unify us in your spirit and purify us in your fire. Unify us in your spirit and purify us in your fire. Come purify, purify, unify. Just lift your hands. Yeah, unify us, God. Unify us in your spirit. Purify us in the fire. Unify us in your spirit. Purify us in isn't agreeance. If agreement is required to be unified, as soon as we disagree, we have to disband. But true unity in God doesn't lower the standard to make those that aren't there yet feel comfortable. Unity in Christ is actually standing, being a living example of what's possible when you're surrendered to God so that people have a place that they can try to get to, a standard which they see is set and possible. We're called to bring courage to people that do not understand yet. 
We're called to encourage, to fill people with courage. Encouragement isn't telling people that they're amazing. Great job. You're awesome. That's not encouragement. Encouragement is speaking the truth in love and giving them the courage to live up to the standard and design which God has released for them. God's created people to be someplace and encouragement is saying, I see in you what God spoke. There's nothing more encouraging than being told the promises of God over your life. Most of us, when you're told the promise of God over your life, you're like, oh, I, I can't get there. Exactly. But he can pull you up into that place. There's a quote by Billy Graham I love. I feel sorry for the man who has never known the bracing thrill of taking a stand and sticking to it fearlessly. Moral courage has rewards that timidity can never imagine. Like a shot of adrenaline, it floods the spirit with vitality. Oh man, standing firm, steadfast, unshakable, unmovable. Do I go through challenges that other people go through? Yes, but I have a source that gets me through it. I've got to read this poem. Marianne Williamson, Our Deepest Fear. This poem, I read it the first time pretty early into my Christianity, and I think it became a staple of how I actually approach the Word of God, how I approach the presence of God, how I approach my life in God. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, or fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do, we were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And it's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give permission to other people to do the same. And as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. False humility is a weapon being used against powerful people. The idea of pride is being used as a weapon against you. When you're called to be bright, you're called prideful. So you turn yourself down. I break that off of you tonight in Jesus' name. When what's going on in your life brings you glory and honor, it's prideful. When what's going on in your life brings him glory and honor, it's actually powerful. We have to shine bright. We have to be so apparently different than everything else going on in this world that people go, what is it about you? And your answer is, I am filled with him. No one ever looks back and says, I wish I'd never given every part of my life to Jesus. They don't turn around and say, oh, I wish I'd have partied more, or lived it up more, or taken more drugs, or been with more people. The only regret people have is wishing that they had given more, if not everything, to Jesus. See, this city won't be transformed by another church. It's not going to be transformed in this building. The only way this city is going to be transformed is by a people who actually 
love him, know him, and see him active in every aspect of every part of their lives every day. I'm not calling us to perfection. I'm calling us to be surrendered. See, perfection makes you feel unattainable, makes you feel unapproachable. Surrendered makes you seem real. We can't lower what's going on here. We can't lower the standard of this. But I want all of us to leave here raising the standard once we pass through those doors. I want our quiet times, our personal times with God to become the greatest portion of our day. Because if you're going into your day asking him to show up when you need him periodically, you've already forgotten the source of all of your success, all of your peace, all of your joy. I was thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. Every one of you has seeds of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Are you watering it daily? Does the fruit of the Spirit become active in your life when you water it? Do I spend time in the presence? Do I get saturated in the glorious nature of God so that those fruits begin to rise up? When people encounter me, do they see a dead tree or a thriving, fruitful orchard? have to be spending time in his presence. Would you make us a fruitful people? Oh, when we will meet with you, would you instill in us all your presence? Oh, make me a fruitful tree, Jesus. freedom invite freedom would you make me a fruitful tree would you make me a fruitful tree would you make me a fruitful tree sing that with him right now because this is your cry out sing it with him here we go come on would you make me a fruitful tree would you make me a fruitful tree now he's going to offer you opportunities to seek him would you make me a letting go of so that you can be saturated. Would you make me a fruitful tree? What can you take off your schedule that he gets now? Would you make me a fruitful tree? Break past the temptation of being tired. Would you make me a fruitful tree? Too busy. something in your heart when you say this. Would you make me a fruitful tree? Begin to see the seeds of fruitfulness blooming in your life. Would you make me a fruitful tree? Yes. Would you make me a fruitful tree? Would you make me a fruitful
God doesn't just want a little bit of your time. God doesn't want a little bit of your money. God doesn't want a little bit of your attention. He doesn't want a little bit of those relationships you have. He doesn't want a little bit of your dreams. God wants everything. God wants everything. See, we sometimes fear giving him everything because we think we're going to lose our identity if we give it all away. But the reality is your identity is found in giving everything to him because the clarity of who you were designed to be is reflected back upon you. God's asking more of us tonight because he sees more in us. He doesn't see the lack in our lives. He sees the potential. God's not calling you from a promise or towards a promise saying, I hope you can make it. He's standing in the promise saying, come to me. He's standing on the water saying, step out, I'm here. I am the promise. If you keep your eyes on me, if you step out in faith and just give everything to me, you'll get there can't fear the mistakes we may make in the process. We have to step out, step towards him, offer everything that we have. I don't know about you, but his version of my life is probably better than mine. So why would I hold selfishly onto anything that would prevent the fullness of his design to be manifest in my life? one of us is created to carry a culture of heaven inside of you. You're, you're called to carry the presence of God inside of you. You're a wineskin. Isn't that great? You're a big piece of leather. You're a wineskin called to carry the presence. Called to carry the new wine. skins are only effective if they actually have wine in them. Otherwise, they're just empty sacks. What culture are you carrying? When people come to you, is there something for them to drink? And when they drink it, is it something that brings them life or just satisfies a quick thirst? We can't compromise the full call of God our lives and the absolute truth of who he is and what has called us to do. These chairs are very dangerous. Because if what you're encountering here, if what you're learning here doesn't get inside of you and then released outside of here, it dies, stagnant. Don't allow these chairs to be the place that you get filled up and then it sits there inside of you without having any impact on the world around you. And we're ending a little bit early, which is a rarity. It's because we're not done. I don't want us to get crazy applauding because it's not about applause. Just extend your hands to this worship team and bless them from your spirit. Bless them. Bless them. We don't need to applaud them. We need to bless them because they're carrying a weight. I, I can feel something differently standing up here. I can feel a saturated presence of God. It's a weightiness. It's a kabod of his presence. There's a weightiness on this stage and they're sitting under it to take us to a place. They're offering themselves as a sacrifice right now. Why? Because they want to honor what God's doing in this room and they want to partner with what he's releasing to all of us. So I just bless and I affirm. I speak life, peace, joy, strength, refilling over each one of them. I thank you guys for being vessels that are pouring out, not just receiving tonight. They are living an example of what we need to do out there. They're receiving from God and then they're letting it out. I don't want to be a stagnant bucket that just gets filled up. 
I want to be a hose that just waters everything around me. turn this over to them. I may come back on here. Somebody else maybe. We're going to see what happens from this point on. But what we're going to do is we're going to press into one thing tonight. Fill me up, God, and send me out those doors with a mission and a purpose to give it away. Three people are really happy about that. The rest of you don't get to leave until you get happy about that. to allow fear of man, fear of failing, fear of getting it wrong, fear of embarrassing myself and my silly thoughts that I could embarrass God to prevent me from being fully surrendered and fully steadfast in who I am. And every person that comes into contact with Eddie Tate receives a dose of heaven I cannot allow myself to live anything less than exactly what he's called me to. See, the beauty of God is that we see a mountain in front of us and we're like, God, I don't know if I can make it. And he's like, I know, but I'm up here waiting for you. And he reaches his hand down and he pulls you up to the tip of the mountain. And when you get there, you're like, this is amazing. And he turns and goes, that's coming. And it's another mountain that's even higher. It's even bigger. It's more beautiful. It's more grand. And then he takes you on that journey. And when you get up there, you're like, could it get any better this? And he's like, look over there. Now that discourages some people because you're like, will it ever end? I hope not. And if your heart is saying, will it ever end? I want to pray for you because you need to get out of your way. My life should be a daily surrender and hunger for the more of God. Because if I die with where I am today, I feel like I've lived a good life, but I know he's called me to more. And in five years, I don't want to be where I am today. I want to be climbing new mountains. I want to see new landscapes. I want to affect new people groups. I want every person that comes into contact of the sphere of influence around me to be impacted by the call of God on their lives because they see a standard set that says, I won't accept anything less than what's been called into mine. So why don't we stand, if you can. If you're in a place where standing up feels like you'd get out of the presence, don't do that. Sometimes it's awesome to respond to what a minister or somebody up here with a microphone happens to say to you, but you be obedient to God first. If you're supposed to be laying down in his presence, lay down. You're supposed to be standing on your chair, levitating in the room. Whatever you're supposed to be doing, you do that. But if you don't have a conviction about where you're supposed to be, standing is a good place in this moment. Let's turn our hearts and affection to being filled with his presence. Some of you have never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's coming. In fact, I can actually see four people in the room where I can actually see a hovering, almost like if it, I see strangely in the spirit sometimes. It feels like if you were to have a bucket of water, but there's no bucket. So it's like just this bucket-shaped thing of water sitting above your head. It's almost like you're sitting there and God's about to go and throw a ball and you're going to get dunked in the water tank. When it comes, don't be afraid. If you're standing there and all of a sudden, don't be afraid. When the angel comes by and touches you, don't be surprised. When you become aware of the areas of your life that you've hidden away in corners thinking, I'm just going to keep this here because it's not that big of a deal, God. When those things get pulled out and put into the light in his palm and he says, what's this? 
respond in humility and say, it's yours, God. That's what it is. Because all that's going to happen right now. Because when he comes and fills us up, anything that does not resemble him is going to be washed out. Sickness is going to go tonight. Debt is going to go tonight. There are going to be relationships restored tonight. Freedom is going to happen tonight. I actually saw this during worship. There's going to be a corporate deliverance happening in this place tonight. Many of you are going to be delivered from addiction. You're going to be delivered from pornography, from drugs, from smoking. Wow. There are people going to be delivered of anger tonight. The steps you've been taking to defeat this anger problem you've been wrestling with is going to be resolved in a moment, but you still need to respond in a lifestyle that honors what God does in a moment. But anger is being broken off tonight in Jesus' name. Fibromyalgia is being broken off in Jesus' name. Deafness is being broken off in Jesus' name. I always love it when I have to say this one. Blindness is being broken off in Jesus' name. I'm not blind, but I don't like where I am. So God, hit me first. What are you supposed to let go of tonight? What are you supposed to receive tonight? You know. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In fact, begin to say, I'm not afraid. Just begin to say it. You say it until you, until everything inside you believes it. Begin to say, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid if I lose my job. I'm not afraid if I lose my friends. I'm not afraid if I cannot go forward the way I've wanted to. I'm not afraid of any of that, God. The only thing I fear is you. And it is a healthy fear because it is a fear of honor and a fear of wanting to please you. From the depths of my being, the depths of my soul, I give you everything. I'm not afraid of losing anything because I know I'm going to receive more of you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.